And we're back, everybody. Hi, my name is Samantha Nzessi. My name is Ramoy George Phil the first. <laughs> and this is masculinity. That's my sexy voice. On. It's uh, yeah, you've got a little rasp. I like to call it sexy you know voice. I mean? You can call it scratchy, annoying voice. Not I rasp, call it sexy you know. voice. When I'm when I'm raspy, I call it my Beyonce voice. Somebody Ooh. actually said that to me. I don't think I sound like Beyonce, but I'll take it. Yeah, once when I was a kid, I was sick, and I called my friend's house on my landline because we had landlines then. <laughs> For people who don't know what that is, grow up. So I called my friend. <laughs> or get older. I don't know. I, uh, Sorry, I no. called my friend's house on the landline, and his mother picked up because, again, it was a landline. And she was like, hello? And I was like, hello, is so-and-so there? And she goes, Ramoy? And I go, <laughs> yeah. And she goes, oh, you have quite the sexy voice. And I was wow. like, wow, sexy voice. Mom. Okay. Shout out to Linda. Block out the last name for call, giving me my shout out for my sexy voice. <laughs> I was gonna launch into like a conversation about how like how well things would have played out if my friend's dad had told me that I had a sexy voice. I think yeah, that's a probably, whole different story, right? I know, but why is it right? I mean, I guess we're here to discuss just that on masculinity. Um, anyway, yeah. So, have you heard of the show Easy? I have. It's some anthology show on Netflix, right? Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's it's really interesting because it really examines like modern romance in a way i mean one thing that i was most struck by because there are different there are a bunch of different narratives obviously because it's an anthology and one of the things that i was very much struck by was the storyline of the couple who has the children and like he uh quits his job to focus solely on theater uh, on be on writing plays and she is essentially kind of like the corporate breadwinner right and like what's happening really is that their relationship is just she's like she's clearly unsatisfied and she's being really supportive well sexually but just also kind of like no actually you know what i'm lying it's sexually it's sexually and uh i don't know it's I find I wonder what you guys think about that. I wonder what you would think about it if you saw it because I, if I, I found myself like really wondering what it's all about in terms of you know in terms of like how do you reconcile that when you're in a marriage, you know? Uh I mean speaking of well, before we get to the Netflix and my my uh Netflix show holes. Um <laughs> yo, my Miami Heat be balling. Oh my god. They lost the other day to Chicago, but that was because it was on a back-to-back. They lost to Chicago? Chicago's not bad. They get, I mean, they're bad, but they're playing well. I was going to well. say, what? Miami's won like <laughs> eight of their last nine. They're in fourth place, half a game behind Cleveland. Who does Cleveland have on their team? Stupid LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and who and uh, fucking Isaiah Thomas. Who does Miami have? Nobody. Nobody. Well, Hassan Whiteside, actually. I who, love my man, Hassan. I, I love Hassan because, as anyone who knows me knows that... Um, the block is my favorite move in basketball. So he does a lot of block blocks. Yeah, yeah. So shout out to the Miami Heat, but uh, the Netflix. I don't know if anybody's watched Dark. Have you watched Dark? I have. Oh wait, no, I haven't. So Dark <laughs> is uh, <laughs> got real excited because I really didn't think you had. No. <laughs> so Dark is this German show. A lot of people call it like the the darker German uh, Stranger Things, which it's not. I mean, there's some, oh my god, really? There's some tenants like uh, between the storylines that mirror one another, but really, it's more like Lost meets um, Twin Peaks. It's like it's all like uh, eschatological, like end of the world, time change, all this super philosophical stuff that's real fun to watch. Hmm. And you start watching it, it's kind of cool and cool. And you get to episode three, four, you're like, oh snap! And then it's like 
you wish you had a whiteboard in front of you so you could draw like the narratives and the characters and figure out. And I thought I was the only one. I was like, I, I feel real stupid watching the show because I can't put which character, or whatever. And then I immediately got on Twitter and everybody was like, So what is this character me doing? And then people were putting up gifts that were like literally flow charts of like oh, what was happening. Wow. So she was real deep and dark and hella fun. Okay. But then shout out to another European show hitting the Netflix uh, stratosphere, and that is End of the effing world or mm-hmm. whatever end of the fucking world uh and that's a real fun show i it's fun i've actually watched it twice not gonna lie and you don't do that much with the whatever's hitting the streaming world um but it's about two characters um there's a m- two teenage characters one's a male one's a female and uh the male character is like a pseudo psychopath like his whole shtick is he wants to kill somebody and watch it bleed and die out and he kind of is cold and soulless and uh the female character she's like a pseudo nymphomaniac and she also like can't stop eating and she has like these she just loves she's like very carnal almost like real epicurean just wants to inhale the world and it's really entertaining because they're teenagers and these are their these are their supposed um these are their supposed personalities but as the show progresses very darkly but very comedically you end up realizing it's not that these are just permutations or exaggerations of being a teenager and how everything's kind of turned up to 100 and all your feelings are turned up to 100 and you think you know the world and you think you know who you are but five seconds later that changes and it's a real cool way to characterize those that essence of adolescence i thought it was dope i mean i (laughs) it was interesting because it's it goes back and forth between just like being like, what are these kids doing to really feeling for them and really being like, you know, I mean, how would I act in a situation where, you know, I mean, kind of a spoiler alert, but, you know, where where my mother is now dating my stepfather and my stepfather is like putting his hand on my lower back, like, you know, just saying like mad inappropriate shit to me and my mom just looks at him and then walks away. Well, yeah, and it's like, again, these are like permutations or uh, manifestations of really kind of challenging childhoods. These mm-hmm. bo- They both have had very challenging and hard childhoods, each yeah. for their own reasons, and you could discover that through the show. And again, it's really fun. But I think the show, End of the Fucking World, and Alyssa, and all these things is a great way to start into this episode and what we're trying to talk about. Yeah, I agree. Um, so there's a, uh, episode three, this is going to be all spoilers. So if you, well, not, nah, I mean, it's not spoilers for the whole show, but there's a little bit of spoilers for episode three, right? Uh, but to set the stage, uh, Alyssa, uh, the supposed nymph, it, she's about to have sex with a guy not named James. I have no idea what this guy's name is. Uh, but she met him real quick and she really wants to have sex with him, maybe as a insult to James or whatever, whatever. Um, but so Alyssa and this guy, they end up in bed. They're in bed and they're making out and it, things are progressing and the look on her face as it starts happening is like it goes from like into it to just being like, oh crap, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. And she actually explicitly says, I don't want to do this anymore. And she throws the guy off him, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy, as all guys seem to would be, uh, freaks out, is confused, and is like wondering why, because sex is happening, and all of a sudden it's cut off, and he's like, ah! And she just says, cold, which I respect wholeheartedly, and this is awesome. She says, I changed my mind. I'm sorry. I'm not into this. And that's it. And she changed her mind. 
And then the guy says, are you kidding? This isn't fair. The guy literally says it's unfair, but that's how, that's a normal reaction from a guy. Like, you cut me off from my sex. It's not fair. Fair to whom? Fair to me, right? Right, yeah. And, uh, and then she says something to the effect of, well, respect, I change my mind and fuck off. I... It was that scene was like amazing because I was like she's supposed to be what, like seventeen in the show I don't know how old she's exactly. in real life seventeen you know and it's like that she just got up and was like like sure you know we'll get into a moment you know what her internal state was and but she didn't betray that right she just said what she had to say she stood firm with how she felt and just took responsibility and was done you know and I think I mean I feel like. You know, I've been in that situation where it's like I want something and then I'm like uh, I don't really know and then it's really you know I feel like most people right and I'm not talking about sex necessarily I'm just talking about something that you said that you were very very into having and you kind of like had people near you kind of conspire to get you maybe right and then you're staring at it and you're like oh shit actually, I don't think I want this. And now you have to like confront the, yourself. You have to confront the people who like helped you get this right. In this case, you know, she was going to have sex with this cute boy or whatever. He, you know, he was a cute boy too. He was cute. He was cute. He was and he sweet. was kind of sweet. He yeah. was kind of sweet. You know, he wasn't like some ape or anything. Right. He was normal sweet dude. Like very nice guy. Handsome. Like, yeah, and was very Muscles. like yeah. I was like just have walking down the street. I don't know where they're at over here, but whatever. And you know what this brings brings up for me actually is like people. A lot of people have this like um these examples of consent and comparing them to pizza or comparing them to a cup of tea. It's like if you I don't know if you guys have seen these videos, but basically there's like a video that's where you know compare having sex consent to a cup of tea. If somebody tells you they don't want a cup of tea, if somebody is kind of like I don't really know if I want this cup of tea, you're not like shoving the cup of tea down their throat. You're not you're not throwing the cup of tea at them. You're not you're not doing that. You're just like okay, cool. You don't want a cup of tea, fine. You know, and I think the difference with sex is that which I really appreciated the way that they did this with this guy is that there's there's no like when somebody offers you a cup of tea there's no entitlement to Ramoy you better have this cup of tea because I deserve for you to have this cup of tea that I made for you right and with sex that's not what's happening it's unfair that you don't want to have sex with me because I want to have sex with you and damn it I want to so damn you know I'm glad you brought up the food uh, cause look, I got a, I got a metaphor, I got a story, I got an anecdote. <laughs> I'm excited. I've dated a few, a few young, pretty ladies in my life, and nine times out of fucking ten, we'll be having dinner, we'll be having a snack, we'll be out at a bar, right? I'll order something, usually French fries, usually something shitty. Sam, Samantha can attest to. You. I Good probably ordered French fries. Love French fries. Yep. And I'll be like, the plate will come. And I'll look at the beautiful person across from me, and I'll genuinely offer. I mean it. Hey, would you like some of whatever this thing was in front of me? <laughs> no, this is going. This and this so person fine. will say, they will def def defer. They're like, no, it's fine. I don't want any. I'm like, great. So this plate is for me. <laughs> I am going to have these french fries to myself. <sighs> and then lo and behold, not within like five minutes, maybe even one minute, I'm eating. And all of a sudden, a hand comes out of nowhere and grabs a French fry or two. And I look up. I'm like, what are you doing? The person's like, 
oh, I wanted the food. And I was like, but I asked you like <laughs> literally minutes ago and you said no. And we'll get to the response, but it's like, yo, don't mess with my food. It's my food. I offered it to you and you said no. And I think this goes back to what Alyssa said, or Alyssa said, you know, the main character in the end of the fucking world. She says, I changed my mind. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think about this a lot. I mean, I know it's just a food analogy and that's cute and all, but it's the same thing for sex. And it's the same kind of mindset I had when it comes to the food, even though that may sound trivial. It's like, well, why do you get to change your mind? Because you're a human. Yeah. And because you're a person. Yeah. And we... And in this space where we're eating together on a date and we're allowing ourselves to be vulnerable for one another, I should be especially sensitive to the fact that you are a human and you can change your mind. And it's the same thing, especially so in the confines of the vulnerability of the sexual exchange that we call sex. You, okay. as a human, I should be able to give you the space to say, I changed my mind. Yeah. And to be honest, I mean... I think that because it's sex and because it's like a gendered conversation or whatever, there's there, there's an uh, like an exaggerated sense of unfairness or dr- like drama, right? I do think that in general, people are ki- get kind of annoyed at others for changing their mind. Well, I would no say, matter what, like I, no, I mean, I mean, no, no matter what I, the situation I, is, yeah, I think like, you're, it's like I think we, you're and, right. Mm-hmm. I think, and I wanted to talk about this. I want to ask you about this yeah. for many reasons, like. I think men have a problem with women changing their minds. And I don't know if that's universal. Maybe I'm speaking more from my personal experience because I do have this problem and I'm working on it. <laughs> but I also wonder if that's in a degree to of something we've been hinting at and talking about explicitly, but also like in this conversation, it's a part of it. Like we don't see women as equals a lot of times. And mm. like women don't have the right to change their mind or even go to cut even further. We don't give the right for women to know what they want. Like we force a lot of culture and a lot of patriarchy and a lot of major or uh, femininity is forced upon women, right? So like these are this is where I want to talk to you about yeah. it. This is going to be a conversation more than but I just have some ideas like do you really want to shave your legs like every few days? Do you really want like to always eat a salad like or is that kind of what society's pushed upon you so you're forced to do that and you don't necessarily have as much freedom to know what you want or to exercise like this is what I want and I'm going to have the freedom to pursue what I want. Now I'm not saying that doesn't apply to men or that doesn't apply to everybody but I just looking at that with this specific lens I just wonder like <clears throat> whenever we're ha- like we have this exchange about sex and men are like oh I want sex and I know I want that so I'm going to have it or or I know I don't want to do this so I'm not going to do it. I just wonder in this conversation, if we've given, because of the systematic issues that are in place and the systems of power and the positions of specifically holding women down, that, I don't know, maybe women haven't had as much of the experience of the freedom that men are so used to and so entitled to. Well, here's how I feel about the two specific questions that you asked me about salad and shaving. Okay. And I'm happy. It's it's funny because I actually had this thought about shaving the other day where I used to never want to shave. I was like, I don't understand why I have to shave, but I'm going to do it because, you know, lo and behold, you know, the guy that I like, I'm walking down, you know, the corridor or whatever in high school and he looks at my legs and I'm like hairy. Right. So I have to shave. I don't want to get made fun of for not shaving. Now I'm an adult. I like shaving because I like the way that it feels when I go to bed. Because it feels nice against my sheets, 
you know? But that's something that's for myself, and I didn't give a shit about that before, you know? Like, similar with salad, like, I like, listen, anybody who knows me loves that I love some french fries. I like french fries. If I go to a bar to watch the game, I'm going to get some fries, and I'm going to get a beer, right? Now, I'm 32, you know what I mean? I can't eat french fries all the time. So I'm eating more salads because of my health. Not because, but before when I ate salads or, you know, when I when I wanted to eat, it was because uh, when I wanted to eat healthy, it was because I have some kind of obligation as a woman to be somewhat slim because I want to be attractive, right? And I'm not saying that that's fully gone away because, you know, I'm I'm an evolving human, but the things that I wanted, the things that I do now in terms of my nutrition, I do for myself. And before I wasn't, before I was like, I need to be skinny. I need to be this. I need to be that or whatever to please. And um, that's changed. Yeah. And I want to, I also want to be like careful. Like, I'm not saying that all men are like f- forcing this, uh, this power system upon women. It's just so embedded in our society that right. it's, it's, it's not, a part of how we interact with our lives. And it's, it's, it's throughout. And we, and- before you say that, I just also want to say that this was my specific experience. I'm not sure. saying that all women feel this sure, way. In fact, totally. I know so many women who don't. Right. Um, and I also know that even for the women who don't, they understand that these are the kind of like dominant standards that we we as a society subscribe to. And they also realize that they're not subscribing to those willingly and powerfully. Right. So I just want to say that as well. But yeah, I think that's a, that's a conversation we need to keep in the back of our heads and keep revisiting it. I'm not saying it's universally the truth or anything like that, but I'm just wondering when it comes, when we're having this issue with sex and consent and, you know, changing our minds within the sexual sex, uh, within the sexual intercourse, like equation, do P- does both sides have the freedom, have been offered the freedom throughout their existence to feel free and know what they want and to know that they can change their mind? And on the opposite side, do we give the other person the freedom and the vulnerability to express that they've changed their mind? That's all I'm saying. And I think that's something we need to constantly revisit. And, I, you, you know, we always talk about what we've been doing in the last week. I also read this really cool story uh, in The New Yorker that... Shout out to my boy Pretty Chris who helps us out there oh, one time. Oh, Pretty Chris! Shout out to Pretty yeah, Chris. He's met pretty. He's all uh, cool. Uh, pretty Chris sent me this uh, short story on the New Yorker called "Cat Person." Did you get a chance to read it? I did. I did. It was long, but it was good. I mean, it's not that long. <laughs> uh, Ramoy's a, a writer, so you know. <laughs> I'm not a writer. I'm a reader. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a really cool short story. It's about uh, this this young girl. I think her name's Margot. I think maybe she doesn't live in New York, yeah. but she lives in some city. She's going to film school, maybe. She works at a movie theater. She's like 19, 20 in university. Um, while working at the theater, she meets this guy who's a little bit older, like shy, awkward. It's just a really well-told story about this woman coming from a woman and her experience with sex. It's interesting because, okay, so what happens eventually, I mean, are we telling the whole story? Okay, so what happens, yeah, spoiler, so what happens eventually is that, you know, she kind of toys back and forth whether she's attracted to him, like Romoy says, but eventually, he, he's, he's good at the game, right? He does like the little, he's good enough. He's good enough, right, he's good enough at the game where, you know, he does like kind of the, you know, is like a little bit distant, a little bit uh, uh, standoffish, and of course that makes her 
that makes her want him more. Which yeah, I was yeah. Like, that game works, son. I was like, I've oh been my god, that game for so long. That's, I mean, that's exactly. Yo, what... keep it a mystery, guys. Yo, oh you get a girl's god. attention. Just keep I was it mysterious. Like, this is, I was like, I was we'll literally thinking to awkward. myself, back to my twenties. How many times have I fallen into this exact trap? Back to shy and awkward. Um, exactly. So basically, eventually, I mean, to to fast forward the story, they end up going out. You know. uh, Everything is fine. They go to a movie. Basically, they, we go through this inter- internal dialogue where she basically figures him out, right? Which I have to say, we'll get shortly, um, in a little bit, we'll just get to the fact that I did not relate that at all because I feel like most of the time I'm just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. But anyway, eventually they go out, you know, they eventually have sex. And while and while she's, while the whole thing is happening, we're inside of her mind, right? Where she's back and forth. Does she want to have sex with him? Does she not want to have sex with him? She changes her mind, but then tries to convince herself to have sex with him because well, she's gone through so much. They've both gone through so much to have to, to actually have this happen. Yeah, they've exerted so much like time and capital into getting to this moment. Why mm-hmm. would she change her mind now? Exactly. But also... She also acknowledges like she's smaller than him and he's physically larger and this is he's still somewhat of kind of a stranger so she doesn't mm-hmm. know like maybe there could be some physical trauma that could happen or something yeah. if she tries to get out of it so she's kind of very vulnerable not just emotionally yeah. but like physically. Well cuz a couple of times she brings up in the story actually like oh it occurred to me at that moment that he actually might be a mass murderer and that he might co- take me somewhere and kill him like we just met blah 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 right? Yeah I mean and she gives him consent and they end up having sex but she hates it and it's awkward and it's uncomfortable and but she goes through with it because she doesn't want to say like it's awkward at that point to change her mind yeah. right and it's that's the thing that i'm just like and it's not even awkward to change her mind in the sense that he would abuse her physically it's almost she doesn't want to hurt his feelings yeah. because he's it's so just, sensitive mm-hmm. and as men mm-hmm. as and i've been this and i'm not saying like this is not some like character that just some third-party character research. I'm like, I'm reading a lot of myself into this. I'm like, Robert, who is this man, the name of this character, male character. I'm like, yeah, like, I'm vulnerable. Like, men are vulnerable in that situation, so I don't want to hurt the boy's feelings. I don't want to make him vulnerable, so I, as the female, will allow myself to be put through this. Not put through this, but I will accept. I will take the L. I will sacrifice my body and myself, so this uh, we don't have to compromise this vulnerable boy. And it was just so hard to read that. Yeah. But I totally, re- like, related to the fact that, you know, there's, like, a certain point of no return, right, when you're about to have sex with somebody. And whether or not you're feeling it at that moment is going to take a lot of courage and a lot of willingness to be uncomfortable if you want to get out of that situation. Because there's really a point at which it becomes socially unacceptable for you to be like, actually, no. Which is not actually, which, which, shout out to, to Alyssa from the fucking end of the world, because at that point she was like, actually, we're not going to do this, you know? Right. And I think that's, you know, it's interesting because these first two stories that we talked about are fiction stories. So, um, and they're, they're similar, but they're different. So it's Alyssa and Margot, and we're seeing how Alyssa said no, and she changed her mind. Margot internally is saying no, but externally she just goes with it and doesn't change her mind, right? Because yeah. there's ambiguity and complexity, and it's in, uh, there's a lot of stuff that in traditional relationships we don't talk about and we don't acknowledge and we pretend we don't see it or we pretend it's not happening and these stories bring them to the surface. But now let's fast track it to like a real life experience and I, I want before we get into this to like 
honor like this is this is tough stuff like this is all these these stories that are coming out in hollywood for for the people involved this is very uh real and this is very emotional and very raw and it's very like again i'm blown away by all the women who have come forward in the me too campaign and made themselves vulnerable explicitly um and put their stories out there and especially uh, each one has their own stories and each one is different and has their own nuances and their own sense of ambiguity. And this is Z's and sorry one. Yes. So let's kind of summarize what happened, right? So essentially, Aziz and sorry went out with this photographer. And I want to I want to say here, I'm not a, an Aziz fanboy just because we we're both brown. I'm not riding with Aziz. Like I'm not trying to defend him in this and nothing. I just okay. want to put that. I don't want anybody to assume just because oh, Ramoy's a pretty brown dude and Aziz is a pretty brown dude. Oh, he must <laughs> ride with him like he's his boy. Nah, fuck Aziz. That's what I say from the jump. I used to say fuck Aziz all the time. He bit my shit, so fuck him. Oh, I actually love Aziz and sorry. I know you do. The world loves Aziz and sorry. That's why I hate him even so, more. So yeah, I don't anymore. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, this was interesting for me because I am actually an Aziz Ansari fan. And so I think part of it, part of the reason why I wanted to give him benefit of the doubt is because he has done so much work that has highlighted this, <laughs> these specific, like, women and men dynamics specific, like, like to a T. And so, um, anyway, so what happened was that basically she goes out with Aziz Ansari. They go uh, to... Before that, I will say this. They texted for a while. We mm-hmm. don't know what was on those texts. We don't know how sexual or how flirtatious or casual they were. Mm-hmm. I want to put that out there. Okay, cool. Uh, and so, so, so you know, eventually they go out. They go to dinner. She goes to his house to have a glass of wine, and then they go to dinner. She stops by his apartment. They they have a perfectly platonic interaction. Whatever wine was involved, whatever I don't know. But then they go to the restaurant. They order. They drink some wine. She still has wine in her glass and might still have food on her plate when he gets the check and they leave kind of abruptly, go back to his place. Go to his place. They start getting, you know, flirtatious and physical, start making out, whatever. The point is they're trying to have sex. They get well, naked. She goes out I don't know if times. they're trying to have right, sex. That's what, sorry, sorry. They're, they're, they, they might be about to have sex. She starts to get uncomfortable because she realizes that he's absolutely down for the count. And she's like, I don't really know if I'm actually trying to have sex with you. Like, but there's some oral sex that happens. Um, you which know, again may have not been a hundred percent consenting on both she, sides. Yeah. She's like, she's saying she, she's being kind of reluctant and she's going with it at a certain point. She's like, he like bends her over and is like, how do you want me to fuck you or something like that? And she's like, actually, I don't know that I want to do this, but essentially, I mean, she, she feels uncomfortable by the way that things happen. You know, eventually she gets out of there because he's still kind of trying to have sex with her, even though at at that point, after he goes, she goes down on him a, a second time, she's like, actually, I don't want to do this. He calls her an Uber, tell, like, uses a fake name, whatever. She goes in the Uber home. She's, like, crying, texting all her friends. And then she sends him, like, a long text the next day, um, basically letting him know that she felt really uncomfortable. And he's like, sorry, like, I misread the situation. So. You know, so I was on Sunday, I was like on Twitter, like reading comments about this. Right. And a lot of people, both men and women, jumped forward and were like, why didn't she leave? Why didn't she say no? Why? You know, because in the story, she does say that she believes that she was like, I didn't realize that it was sexual assault until I talked to some people. And they said that it, you know, like my friends kind of like confirmed for me that it was right. And I'm be really honest. 
here's my opinion about it, right? I was kind of disappointed at the way that people were approaching this situation because it was very either or. And it's like, this is one instance, you know, we don't have like 50 women, hundreds of women, even 15 women coming forward and saying that Aziz Ansari like was inappropriate with them, right? So this encourages me to kind of like take a look at the situation with a little bit more depth. And agree. You know, I think that in the wake of like the James Tobacks and like the Matt Lowers and all the other bullshit that's happening or whatever, there's this tendency of being like, are men wrong or are women wrong? Is he a predator or is she just like blowing shit out of proportion? Right. And like my opinion about it, like if I'm looking at the straight situation, my just really clean and like short opinion about it is that she should have said no. She should have left. And that Aziz sorry should have not been as aggressive as he was. And so if we take a look at that, I don't think that it's, it can't, it can't be one of their fault if it's not both of their fault because they created this situation for what it was. Now, I will say that we can't, what I was disappointed at was like, we're looking at the situation as if there's like not a bigger societal context at play. This this is going to sound absurd, and if you asked me this like a month ago, years ago, I'd be like, that's absurd, but especially with the climate that we're in now, why didn't Aziz ask her explicitly, do you want to do this? Why didn't he ask for her consent? That's so, a really good question. <clears throat> why is it not on him to ask for consent? Why? Why? And like, you know, we had this conversation on a podcast being like, oh, it's not sexy to ask for consent. Like, will you kiss me? Yeah, that's not sexy at all, but... That's that person's safety. It depends. It, that's that person's safety. That's that person's humanity. Is sexiness worth that person's humanity or not? Like, we need to, like, educate ourselves as adults and educate our kids, the next generation, and so on and so forth, and create an environment of education around sex. And it doesn't fucking matter about quote-unquote sexiness and that stupid bullshit. It is we have to acknowledge each other as humans. And we as humans have the rights, and we have the humans as we as humans have rights, have the rights to bring in our past, our presence, and our futures into our decision making processes. And we both are equals and are allowed the opportunity to say yes, no, and I can change my mind. Yeah. I mean I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree not with that. Not to say that that's easy. And I've probably no, and I've failed not. at that miserably. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, and I think that's one thing that, you know, is really important to bring up is that it's not easy and that the only way that we, because a lot of people came out of the woodwork and were, well, not out of the woodwork, but everybody came, a lot of people came forward and were like, well, why does this need to be a public story? And I'm like, because we need to talk we about to this learn. stuff. Like, I think, here's the thing, right? It's like, you know, Aziz Ansari has done, has has talked about this in various platforms that he. He got a multi-million dollar book deal. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't read Modern Romance, but I, and I'm planning on reading it, you know? And, like, I just feel like it's, it seems like he got it. And I think part of the thing that, you know, in this situation, what I, what homie I feel... Homie was woke. What'd you say? I said homie was woke. Right, right. Woke feminist, right? Um, so one of the things that I think is being... One of the things that I did relate to in the story is this notion that, you know, when you're in a... In a in a in a situation with somebody that you like, somebody that you have esteem for, sure she didn't actually know him personally, but she knew who he is. She knew who he was and like what he represented, in terms of like the things that he believed in, because he's put it out there for the world to see. Right. So it's like when you're in a situation 
when you're in shock. Like I could see how she might have been like in denial about the situation. Now, I don't personally think that the situation was assault. I do think it was misconduct because I think that he was being out of line, right? I'm not necessarily sure that I would call it a criminal act or, you know, something that needs to be dealt with legally, whatever. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just saying, like, I don't really know if that's how I feel. What I'm more interested in is why do you think that you have the right to be so aggressive? And then why don't you feel comfortable speaking up? Well, can I, I'm not playing, I'm playing a little devil's advocate, but I'm also saying that this is reality. Like I've, I am just, well, okay. I've been in situations in bed with somebody with another beautiful female or two. Okay. And there has been a, what I will say and forgive me. I can't believe I'm saying it, but like a, a no, and maybe it's a soft no. And, uh, it's no, but keep pursuing it. Or at least that's how it's interpreted. So you keep going. Right. And I think I would not believe, uh, that I'm the only one that's been socialized this way. Right. And, but I don't think it's just men that have been socialized this way to a certain degree. Like, there's you got to be hard to get is like a common part of our vernacular right so a woman saying no in bed or in like a sexual exchange doesn't necessarily always mean no and we don't really know and so we're like maybe i'm supposed to keep going and we just right am i wrong no you're not wrong i mean i hate to say it but i have been kind of like that person who didn't really know who was who was feeling like I was I was in a situation with somebody who I was like I want to I I want to like actually have sex with you but I know that it's a horrible idea because you're crazy but it doesn't mean that like I don't actually want to have sex with you right it just means like in that moment my body wants something and I want something but, but my common sense is like sure. girl please don't do this right right and so in that moment, I think it's, it's like, that's where it becomes like ambiguous and complicated. Sex is a very interesting uh, equation or exchange. And like, it's very passion driven. It's very emotional. It's very hormonally driven. And like when it's happening, I don't know if a hundred percent of my cognitive analysis is like there. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm making like able to like have a full fledged conversation while all the blood's pumping down South. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's, it's more challenging than I'm giving itself credit for, but we need to like, we need to like try to make an effort to somehow come to a better place, or at least educate ourselves. Like I think we talked to Jason Tan, David Bianca, uh at the season, like the last episode of our first season about emotional intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. And having emotional intelligence and giving that freedom to understand other person's emotions and what they may be going through in in a relationship, whether it's. Uh, a friendly relationship between you two young men or whether it's in like a sexually charged moment between whomever. And that's where we need to learn from this and learn from this immediately because it's not just as cut and dry as people want to make this like a binary case of he's wrong or she's wrong. No, this is a very complex situation yeah. and we need to understand going forward how we as men need to treat other persons and give them the humanity and ask explicitly what they want. And even if they don't not know what they want, and if they want to talk th through it and how that may be a buzzkill and kill the mood or whatever, it's still more important that that person has the right to their humanity than it does that we get what we want or that we assume against their better, or against our better judgment.
I also think that, um, like, everything you said, and I also think that it's really important to recognize that these notions of patriarchy, these notions of, like, you know, male dominance when it comes to sex are also notions that have been, um, that, that women are implicitly contributing to, right? I think that it's crazy to think that we're living in a patriarchal society that has considered men to be dominant in every single sphere of our existence, but that women somehow are supposed to automatically kind of like challenge that as if we've been raised in this, in these, in two separate like universes. No, I think that it's a, it's a, it's completely, it's living in a fantasy world to think that there aren't notions of chauvinism, chauvinism and even misogyny that women are carrying inside of themselves. Like I talked to a couple of women about this who were like, well, that's just how men are. She should have left. She should have stood up for herself. She should have done this. And I'm just like, what I'm trying to challenge is what is this notion that that's just how men are? We're complicit in having that being perpetuated when we say shit like that. There's this notion that I have to go through with it. Why do we have to go through with it? Because there's this weird notion that once we got this far, the man does deserve to have sex with me because I've already led him to the idea that he's going to and this is what I'm supposed to do now. And if we're interrupting that, then it's like, well... You know, you can't just change your minds. Like, there's something that you said, you let him on, da da da. Okay, sure, but that's part of it. It's part of this whole school of thought that says that men are entitled to sex. In terms of the cat person story, I would love to read a story where a woman was going to have, where a man was going to have sex with a woman and she changed her mind mid midway or whatever, and to hear the man's thoughts. Like I would love no, to read. Th- we're gonna have a, we're going to have the very uncomfortable but necessary podcast episode where we dedicate a lot of the conversation towards sex specifically. Um, but I want to make leave a note here. It's it's not that just men are entitled to sex, and this is where it gets really complicated and really ambiguous and really hard for society to chew on. Is even myself, and I will raise my hand. Men are entitled to orgasm. Oh, and it and. That's where it gets really complicated, and, and, and sex is a, a hard conversation to have because we don't have this conversation, on, and we don't have it honestly. And just to, not necessarily to end this conversation, but to leave with this note, like, this is, this is one of those things like, well, it's like, duh, or like, what? But spousal rape, like spousal rape, so a couple who is married, wasn't a thing until the mid-'70s, meaning that men were by law, to a degree, entitled to sex and orgasm whenever they wanted. They could rape With their, or without consent, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. could rape, basically rape, basically not have consent from the partners and have sex, and it wasn't a crime. Until the mid-70s, and only until 1993 did all 50 states, finally all 50 states, <clears throat> bring this into their legislation, into their law, and formalize it that spousal rape is an actual occurrence in 1993. But this is how this this is when we talk about systems like this was the systematic thinking and this is part of the larger patriarchy where men are entitled to sex whenever they want and that's and to ha- women's bodies wholeheartedly sure actually. no you're right yeah. absolutely like the woman's body is our own and their body at least in this exchange is not theirs and that's where we're getting to and that's what we're we're I hate this word that's where we're hoping that this evolves to is that 
we as men can, this sounds ridiculous, see women as equals and as humans, and they have the right to enjoy sex and have orgasms and want to take part in sex, whatever that means in that situation, just as much as we do. And they have the right to change their minds. And I'm so, at least for the fictional stories, I'm glad these stories, whether it's on Netflix, or whether it's in the New York or wherever, that we're seeing more and more stories that show explicitly that people, and in these instances women, can change their mind <clears throat> within a sexual exchange and say, I don't think I want this anymore. And that be okay or that can be complex and what that looks like. And then when it comes back to the Aziz on story and this Grace person's story, um, that it's in real life, it's really dirty and it's really messy and it's not so easily cut and dry. No matter how much we want to make it cookie cutter and cut and dry and pick a side, it's not. And we have to do a better job, whether it's explicitly through educational systems, whether it's through men within men's circles. Like we have to be better at like being understanding about one another and communicating what consent means and how to ask for consent and to really hammer it in like that person has a right to be there and not be there and we need to get their consent because their humanity is worth more than my quote-unquote pleasure agreed and um one thing that i want to say as we finish up is that if you ever find yourself or when we find ourselves saying that's just how men are, that's just how women are, that's this should be our first indication that we need to question whatever it is that we're thinking. Because as soon as you do that, you rob someone of their humanity and whatever it is that caused them to get to where they are such that they're making this decision about whatever action they're taking. And I just want to, you know, just leave that there for for some reflection, because I think like, you know, it's really like, you know, we're saying, you know, it's going to be up, it's definitely going to be up to men to see women as people. And it's also going to be us women up to us women to see ourselves as people and to really own our shit, you know, because we live in a patriarchal society. And, you know, as we've kind of like noticed, a lot of things with gender equality happen when women rise and stand up and i'm saying that obviously we need men to join the cause but we have to continue to further this toward an equal we have to continue to further this toward an equal and it's gonna have to also take it's gonna have to take some forms that you know are not always gonna look like like if men are gonna be taking a stand for equality and looking at their own actions we have to take a look at our own actions as well because unfortunately if we're living in a patriarchal culture there's no way that our actions and our thought systems have not been complicit to it as well yo can i say something say it man i've been humbled like you know we've been telling people about this podcast and people have been listening but people have been like giving us such cool feedback over the <laughs> days and like hearing such nice things and it really means a lot. So thank you for everyone who's listened and thank yeah. you for all the new listeners who are out there. Um, and I'm not good at like self-promotion or anything like that. And I definitely don't trying to be like important about myself. <laughs> but I really think this conversation is important. I think what you and I, I are bringing to this conversation, the honesty and like um, uh, kind of the specific lenses to kind of see deep into this stuff to bring it to the surface is important. So we want to, and it'll help people to encourage people to think more about this but to encourage this conversation to happen in all sorts of circles so we need y'all's help to help spread the word whether it's telling people yo check out this podcast with the cool logo shout out to wheeler pretty um, <gasps> yo peep this um 
on iTunes. Give it some stars. Give it five stars. Leave reviews. We need those. Those stars and those reviews jump the podcast up the line, and more and more people will see it, and more and more people are going to have this conversation. Uh, Samantha's on the Facebook and the Twitter. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but she's doing some great work out there. Follow us on the Facebook. Follow on Twitter. See how this conversation intersects so much with our everyday world and help share that with others and bring this conversation out. And even if you don't agree with stuff, we can't know that. Yeah. We can't encourage this conversation and circulate that disagreement or that um, I don't agree but uh, with the world and, and, and grow our own understanding of this all without your feedback and with your uh, your comments. So shout us out on Facebook. Send us messages on Facebook. Uh, our email address is masculinitypodcast at whoistheo.com that is always masculinity with a K. Send us emails and let us know. Like This conversation is very important to us and it's not that we feel ourselves to be the ones to tell it. We're just lucky enough to ones to have this conversation right now. That's right. And I just also want to give a shout out to people who are doing the work, right? The people who are out there challenging themselves and challenging others to really be about it and like walk the talk when it comes to gender equality, walk the talk when it comes to equality in general, and walk the talk when it, what, when what it looks like to make that happen is to challenge your own ways of being, to challenge your own actions. Like shout out to you because you're really doing the work and actually paving the way and setting an example out there so that, you know, People know that it's possible to actually, like, do things for the better. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's been a wild ride. Again, uh, Twitter, Masculinity Pod, Pod, with a K, and then Facebook, Masculinity Podcast. Um, my name is Samantha Zessi. boy, George Phillip, with the sexy voice. <laughs> I don't think that was sexy right there. My bad. I won't redo it, though. <laughs> and this has been Masculinity. Ciao.